Do you have a story to tell about a terrible medical conversation? I want to hear from you. Please email me at christine at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. Today, we're talking with Emily about hypothyroidism. This is a topic that's come up a couple of times on this podcast, but in her case, it was her thyroid was having an impact on a really important issue besides the fact that hypothyroidism makes one feel very badly. It can impact other aspects of your health and life. So, Emily, welcome to the show. Hi. So your story starts when you were very young. How old are you now? I am 36. Okay. So this started 14, 15 years ago. You were 22 Mm -hmm. years old. I have a 22-year-old. And you were just married. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, if my daughter was getting (laughs) married right now, I literally think I would die. (laughs) I can't imagine. Although... We started dating when I was in high school, so it had been six years, but right, we were still right. yes. <laughs> yeah. No, and actually same, like this is totally, you know, off topic here, but yes. I'm sure it'll be entertaining to our listeners. So my daughter met her boyfriend as a sophomore in high school, and they are still together. She's in medical school. He's getting ready to go to law school. So they've been together like seven years. Yeah. So we know like this is the one, but still like 22 (laughs) feels so young. So you're married and you decided that you wanted to start a family right away, right? Well, we we decided we wanted to, yeah, after about a year in. So I was on birth control for about a year and then I went off it and said, you know, if it happens, it happens. We were not actively preventing. Got you. You were but not then, not trying. Not not trying. <laughs> um, but we weren't actively tracking and trying and all that. But then after okay. about two or three years, nothing had happened. Two and or three years? Yes. Wow. It was a couple years. Now, there was an issue. I We did find out. I... I didn't have a menstrual cycle. I didn't have a period after for almost a year after I went off the birth control, which when I did go to my OB about it, they did some blood tests. It it was just messing with my system. So still a year or so after that, nothing had happened. Okay. You attribute a year to the messed up menstrual cycle, but now you're on your second, maybe into your third year of still not able to conceive. So What's the first outreach you made to a medical provider about this? Was it to your primary or your gynecologist? It was my primary. And I just kind of mentioned at like a yearly, you know, checkup that I was like, you know, well, we're trying to have kids and nothing's happened yet. And they're like, oh, well, you're still, you're still young. But they said, you can talk to your OB about it at your next appointment. Okay. So that was the end of that conversation. Very short. Very short. Uh, and I was 25. I was still young. So, okay. And then I did probably whatever, a few months later, I did have my OB appointment. And it was a very similar conversation, actually, yeah. with just 
they they said, well, your periods are slightly irregular, so you could track. And I honestly, I was young. I didn't even know that you could do at-home ovulation tests. Like, oh, we'll get these. And when I tell you the fortune I spent on ovulation tests each month because my cycle was irregular even when I did come back and they gave you, I don't know, there's like 20 in a test kit and you're supposed to do it every day. And I would blow through two of those because I'd go a month and a half or two without having a period, which was normal for me. Wow. So pause for a second. So I'm thinking about myself as a primary care doctor. And if I was seeing a 25 year old who just, you know, mentioned she wanted to become pregnant and, you know, in my head, I'd be like, you are so young. Like, are you sure you want to do this right now? But that would be the mom in me talking, not the doctor in me talking. Would I have delved into that a little bit more at that first visit? I'm not sure that I would have unless it was like like a loaded conversation. And I, like in my practice, right? If if anybody cries, like if a tear is shed about an issue, we're digging into that. Absolutely. So I, it depends on like how you seemed, I would say, in yeah. the conversation. And you probably were like, hey, I am young. This is kind of early. Like, all right. You probably weren't terribly distressed by that. Right. At that point, then, we were, yeah. Yeah, but then you go to the OB and they acknowledge that you have an irregular cycle. At that point, did they recommend any testing? Were they like your cycle's irregular from being on the pill? There's nothing more to do right now? They just kind of said uh, some people have irregular cycles. And we did discuss at that point, I was in grad school and I could tell that I would have it sporadically, maybe every other month in the spring and summer. And then I wouldn't have it from September through December. Or January, mm-hmm. and I knew that fall semester was super stressful. So they would say, "Well, sometimes stress can affect it." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's what it is," because I was having stressful time periods, and then I would it would come back intermittently after that. And and yes, the yes, 25. We are. I am still young. We don't have to. Ha- we just like, well, yeah, we wanted to, but we weren't like. Again, we weren't not not trying. <laughs> so were you besides trying to conceive? Were you feeling fine, like otherwise physically? I mean, I was feeling okay. I I did notice that I was feeling tired a lot, but I, again, I attributed it to being a woman and being stressed with grad school and having to get up early for work. And you know, I I was tired and the there were intermittent GI issues, nothing that I like went to be seen for, again, because I didn't see it as I saw it, oh, this is part of life. Um, normal, right, right. Normal so, life, some constipation, some IBS type stuff, but nothing that I felt needed to be talked about. Mm-hmm. So what was the point? Like, when did it happen when you were like, no, that I got to do something. This is not okay. So just after I turned 30, I Wait, did get a so positive. now it's seven, eight years. Yes, I, I just really, that was life for the, the yeah those seven eight years because wow. we were young we were oh just married and let's enjoy married life and we were enjoying living vicariously through our friends who were having kids and it was fine and then I'd say yeah just after I turned 30 I did get pregnant and we had a miscarriage and that was debilitating it was early on very early on in the pregnancy, but I, we knew I was pregnant and we were so excited. And then it just happened. And I said, let's look into, go to, to a fertility center. 
And my husband and I both have, we're both oldest children, if you ascribe to that. We're both like, oh, we don't need help. We can be fine. You know, we don't need to ask for help. And some level of anxiety with what if we're not perfect? What if there is something wrong sort of thing? My husband and I both have some level of anxiety with, again, firstborns, we don't need to ask for help. What if, what if it's not, what if we're not perfect? What if there actually is something wrong? And because I had seen some other friends go through it, I was having, do I want kids badly enough to put myself through that? Cause I, what my one friend experienced was kind of the extreme of, of IVF and, and what that can entail. And I was like, I, we don't have enough money to do this sort of thing. But this was before I even, we dragged our feet for several months because of those anxieties before I even got there to know what if there was anything wrong or what they could try and do about it. So it was really the miscarriage that got you to the point of like, I need more help. And before you sought out the fertility specialist, did you talk to your normal gynecologist about this? I did. So I went back to my OB and I think that was a rather tearful visit and saying it was it was either before, I think it was right after the miscarriage. And I just, because I had like a blood test or something scheduled with them. And then I miscarried, but I said, let me still come in. And we talked and she recommend, recommended mainline fertility because she used to work there. So at that point, did she recommend any, anything? She any didn't testing? recommend any testing or anything at that point. She really just said, they'll take care of you. Which again, at the moment, I was just like, all right, fine, somewhere else they'll take care of me. And I'm like, well, they are more specialized in the specific fertility issues. But in, it was more kind of in retrospect that, yeah, I was kind of dismissive and they didn't like, she, she was in the moment very, you know, I was tearful and she gave me tissues and was, you know, nice about it. But right. yeah, there was no other exploratory, let me run some tests for you. What do you think? Could it be this? It wasn't really any of that. It was go see the fertility specialist. So how much time passed between the miscarriage and that conversation with your obstetrician and your initial meeting with the fertility specialist? It was probably still about another six months because my husband and I dragged our feet with it. He, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he also <laughs> didn't want to, you know, he was worried, well, what if it's me? What if it's me? Men. Right. <laughs> thing. right. Um, I'm not throwing all men under the bus, but, nah, but he did yeah. also, he had one of his friends actually was like able to kind of elbow him into it and just say, it's just, it's easy. And you just go. And if it's you, there's stuff they can do. If it's her, there's stuff they can do. So just kind of go do it. So it was that the miscarriage was in January. And then it was, I think it was September, August or July or August before we got to the fertility center. And tell um, me about, tell me about that whole experience. I think this is really important because, you know, Walking into that fertility specialist office for the first time, this is not the first step of your journey. This has been right. eight, 10 years. This is yeah. now, there's been a, a tremendous trauma with a pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. You are terrified because you don't know. I mean, you could have something terribly wrong with you. You're thinking, am I ever going to be able to conceive? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I'm sick during a pregnancy? What if I have to be bedridden? So you're, you're setting foot into that practice very, very laden down with all this stuff. Yes. So tell me about your experience. So you, you walk in the door, you're scared and what happens? Well, I was, I was able to make at least the first 
appointment where, where my husband could come with me. And we, so that was always helpful. It was a very, I, it was a very good experience actually there. That first, yes, I was super anxious and nervous and all those thoughts going in my head, but outwardly we're both like, well, we're so young and oh, we're yeah. healthy by all, healthy right. by all the means and we're being optimistic. Yeah. Everyone at the office was great. Wait times weren't long. It was, it was good. And so they made me feel really comfortable and they kind of talked through the first 12. We'll run some tests. They did an exam. We'll run some tests. And that was the first time I heard, well, I forget what the whole panel was, but I remember them saying, and we'll test your thyroid. And I'm like, oh, okay. I had no idea what that would mean. And they also talked to my husband about getting a specimen from him. He loved that. He was excited about that. And <laughs> he, he was so embarrassed about that. So I'm like, funny. it's fine. It's okay. And I, I went through the whole, I said, all what you have to do is so much less compared to the invasive exam and stuff that we have to, I have to do. Right. So right. <laughs> take one for the team. He was mm-hmm. fine. And then whatever, his test results came back really quickly. And I think the doctor used the word fantastic. Like, oh, you have fantastic sperm. So he was like <laughs> patting himself on the back. But so when my tests came back, they, I came back into the office and they said, everything looks good. They said, your thyroid levels are off. And I forget, I know hypothyroidism is a love or underacting thyroid. So I don't know if the levels were low or high or whatever that means. But So your TSH was probably high. High. Because your thyroid, you were hypothyroid. Yeah. So they um, deliver this news how, like very matter of fact, like, hey, everything's fine, but you have a problem with your thyroid. Yeah, they were very matter of fact. And I think the doctor said, did you know you had a problem with the thyroid? And I said, I had no idea. He's like, okay, well, we're going to try and we're going to give you some Synthroid medicine to help combat that. And in a slew of other, I had to like get my my tubes cleaned out and a whole bunch of they had to like give me something to induce a period, get my tubes cleaned out, induce ovulation, do all that. The fertility medicine world is really amazing how specific they can be when they do the blood test every few days and they say, okay, you need to conceive within this 12 to 18 hour window. And it was crazy, but it worked. After I had been on the Synthroid for like two or three weeks, maybe it, two or three weeks, maybe a month. And then that way we got our, our 12 to 18 hour window. And then two weeks later, it was a positive pregnancy test. I was like, what? And I didn't, they said, oh, you might start to feel better with the synth, with the thyroid medicine and all that stuff. And I didn't necessarily feel all that right away, other than maybe the placebo effect of, oh, we're doing the right thing too. But yeah, it's been, it was successful right away. But that initial one, actually, they, you know, then you're in with the fertility center, you're in every week doing ultrasounds and blood work to make sure everything's on track. I did actually miscarry again with that first one. And that was a whole, again, they were very good about it, but because I was with them, you're in there every week. And like the the second or third week I was in there, like, well, it's still, it's growing, but it's still a little small, you know? And then like the next time the nurse didn't say a thing and she's like, well, the doctor wants to talk to you. And he said, yeah, it's not acting like we should, like it should be at this point. He looked at, he said, I am not happy with this. And he said, you will likely miscarry at this point. But then they were very sweet. I got to work with the same team, the same doctors each time around. And then I'd say 
six weeks later, again, daily with the sensory, the thyroid med, getting that build up in my system, I got pregnant again. And that was, again, they were still tracking and told us, gave us a window. And that was December 2019. And then I got pregnant. And that pregnancy was awesome um and successful <laughs> um, and you had and what? Successful. A, a baby boy or baby girl. girl baby girl it was very it was still nerve-wracking because well you're with the fertility center up through like week nine or something and that's like weekly ultrasounds you get to see the little teeny tiny <laughs> thing grow and it's so sweet and then the scary part was graduating from the fertility center and going back to my ob not scary. She was great. She was so happy for us. And she was, this is so exciting. And I'm so glad you were able to make it work. When I said it was a thyroid issue, she was just like, oh, hmm, I didn't think about that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Again, no shade to her. She's been great. And the whole practice has been great. But I, it did make me think, what could have been if I had done this eight years ago? How many kids could we have? Or <laughs> where would we be, you know? Eight years is a long time. It was a long time. So yeah, it was, of course, we announced we were pregnant to the world shortly before the world shut down in March 2020. <laughs> and it was, so that was the other piece of it, is that I knew that miscarriages could still happen further on. I'd only had early miscarriages, but I knew they get harder on your body the further they go on. So I was still a ball of nerves. And with the world shut down. My husband couldn't come with me to appointments after our 12-week ultrasound. So there were just, I did have like IUGR with her. So she was a teeny tiny baby. And that made me nervous. And I had to do, he was in like the third percentile at 32 weeks. So we had to do non-stress tests and all that stuff, which they call them non-stress tests. But of course they make you extra stressful. But happy, healthy pregnancy, happy, healthy baby. She they induced me early because she was so small, but she didn't even need any NICU time. Wow. Um, and then you stayed on? I uh, stayed on it. Right? Mm -hmm. They did tell me to go. So that was the other piece of it that I was struggling with, not struggling with, but so it had been managed through the OB that whole time because that's, I was pregnant and that's what they were doing. But they said, oh, well, you'll go to your primary to manage that for you after you're pregnant. And then after you give birth. So. I had just found your practice actually during, in the midst of all this, we had moved. And so we, you guys were closer. And I just remember saying, I need someone to manage my sense word. Like, okay. And that was fine. They tested my levels and they said, oh, you need to, your dose is fine to stay where it is. And it must've been fine because I breastfed for a year and didn't get my cycle back till after I finished breastfeeding. And I had one period and then two months later it was pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and it so just your second pregnancy was no fertility health yeah. it was just yeah natural well, yeah the I'm only fertility health was having that that thyroid, thyroid. taken care of mm -hmm. which again i was having this i firmly believe all things in good time and you you know everything happens when it does for a reason all that stuff but i couldn't help but thinking why didn't anyone say anything about this 10 years ago. Um, right. So it's, that's my bulk of my story. <laughs> so I want to go back and just unpack yeah. some of the medical interactions you had. Mm -hmm. I think this is really, really important for 
people who are young. So yes. as I said, I have a 22 year old and she's super smart. She's a med student, but I wonder if she really would advocate for herself, you know, in a medical setting, you know, I think there are hard lessons that we learn as we get older. And a lot of the guests on this podcast have talked about how you have to advocate for yourself. You have to speak mm-hmm. up, but none of them are 22 years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I think there's a piece of it where you're like, okay, I trust I'm 22. I don't know. I trust this authority figure, this physician to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. So your initial conversations are like, okay, yeah, I'm still young. I'll just give it some time. But those kind of drag out for a really, really long time. Yeah. And then you have this miscarriage and it's super traumatic. And still, it's not like you had a bad conversation with your OBGYN. You had a fine conversation, yeah, fine. but it was basically like, okay, I'm passing you off to someone else. And mm-hmm. That obviously wasn't wrong because you needed other stuff done. You know, you needed the hysteroscopy and your husband needed to be checked and all those things had to happen. But there was a time thing. You know, Mm -hmm. there was more time lost because from the moment you decide you're going to see a fertility doctor, I mean, you're not calling up and getting in tomorrow. You're waiting. Mm -hmm. So all of these absent conversations basically just delay your ability to conceive. And it was such a small and simple thing, you know, just correcting your hypothyroidism, not to mention the fact that I am sure you started to feel better. You probably didn't even realize you felt bad until you felt good, right? If you had to give advice to someone, a youngish, 20-ish something year old, who was not just trying to conceive, but having any sort of medical conversation, and you don't know any better, how would you approach that? Do you think you would have asked more questions if you were talking to your 22-year-old self now? Yeah, I probably would have asked more questions or done a little more of my research. on. My, I know we kind of discourage we don't want to go to Dr. Google all the time, but I even just Googling, why can't I get pregnant, might have come up with, hey, check your thyroid levels. And oh, I didn't yeah. even think to do that. Or Absolutely. it's... Yeah, I would certainly say to 20-ish something young people, make sure that you, yes, advocate for yourself, but ask questions. Even if you think they're stupid questions, doctors are trained to say there's no stupid questions and it's your body and you need to make sure that you know what's going on. Yes, there are a lot of things that go along with being a woman, but I think we all, as women, we need to make sure that we are advocating for ourselves. You don't deserve to be constantly feeling down and tired and having GI issues or whatever, just because you think that's what it's supposed to be. Right. Um. Right. right. That, that a common theme in these conversations. I also want to talk to you a little bit about your experiences in the fertility world, fertility specialist world compared to your just OBGYN world. So you had this pregnancy loss and then I feel like you were almost like wrapped up and, you know, super, I don't know, just supported, comforted by these very regular weekly visits. And so mm-hmm. even leading up to that miscarriage, did you think that 
that second miscarriage where you were kind of warned or prepared that this was not going well and that you would likely have a miscarriage, was that easier for you than the first time it happened when it just happened? It's hard to say. I was in the moment, like my husband was with me at that appointment when they said, you will, you know, it's not growing. It's stopped stop growing. We will, you will likely miscarry. They did give us a plan. They said, let it happen. Come back next week. We'll do the same thing. So we did have a plan. I still cried my eyes out in the car with him. Mm-hmm. We we're so close. And mm-hmm. I was like, at that moment, I was losing faith in the, the thyroid piece of it because I'm like, well, pfft, it can still happen. So maybe so I'm just looking at the, yeah, the whole cycle of maybe there's more. We're going to have to do something else. Because they, they said, we'll do it again. If it fails again, then we'll move on to IUI, IVF, that sort of stuff. And I was just like, I don't, at that point, I'd almost reached and I felt like I had just gotten started, but I was like, I don't know how much more I can do this or want to do this. Is it even worth it to put my body through all this stuff if it's not going to happen or if this miscarriage is just going to keep happening? But I did. So we went back, we stuck with the plan and it was, yes, in a moment, it was still really, really, really difficult, but I think I had a quicker rebound or coming off of it because yes, we had a plan and I was going back to this place where they were specifically trained to not only help you get pregnant, but help you deal with the loss. I got a card and like a bracelet from the office staff at the main office I went to when I miscarried and said, we're so sorry for your loss. And it was like one of those like Morse code bracelets that just, I had the date or something. It was really, it was really sweet. So I felt loved and encouraged and had people behind me. Amazing. So yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like your story really is about, you know, asking more questions if you're young, if you're the patient, right? Mm-hmm. And for us listening, us doctors and healthcare providers, like I hate when, <laughs> and it's both ends of the spectrum. I hate when I hear myself saying like, oh, you're so young. I do that. I 100% do that. Or listen, you're getting old. Like, what do you expect? Like I 100% do that. And I hate both of those things about myself as a doctor. And I, mm-hmm. I constantly try to catch myself because I don't think that should ever be the explanation until you've checked everything else out. Right. But right. it is a, it's an easy fallback for us. It's an easy thing to say. And especially in the world of pregnancy, you know, I had my last baby when I was 36, and I remember distinctly our obstetrician saying, you know, this is a geriatric pregnancy. I'm sorry, like Mm -hmm. 36 years old, now I'm a geriatric pregnancy. So for me, 15 years of my fertility time was gone, and now I'm having a baby, you know, at an old age. And that's a very distressing thing. So if if we could just step that back and talk to the 22-year-old so that she does not end up having a geriatric pregnancy. That would go such a long way. And you're, how old are you now, may I ask? So I'm, I'm 36 now. I had baby number two came in 2022. So I was 35. So yes, any future pregnancies would be, well, they call it advanced maternal age now. I don't think they use the term oh. geriatric pregnancy. But <laughs> still, I mean, I use the term Whoa. geriatric pregnancy, but it's still... Advanced maternal age. I'm like, I'm 35. It's okay. Wow. <laughs> um, 
So do you think, do you think you'll try to have another baby? Uh, we've had that discussion. I want to wait till the baby is at least one. I've had a lot of, I kind of want my body back sort of thing. Cause I love the breastfeeding, but I'm ready to, it was basically, I was pregnant and then I breastfed for a year and had two months of breathing time before I realized I was pregnant again. And then it's been pregnancy and breastfeeding since then. I think I want to, when we talked about it, we like the personalities of our kids and they're great. Oh, that's good. So, so you're not yeah, making we're, we're kind of, rude, obnoxious babies. You're like, hey, our kids are cool. Let's maybe consider having another no. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great. And they're and they're really good looking. Our, uh, <laughs> but the two and a half year old is very much a two and a half year old. Oh, that strong right. will. <laughs> so you need a minute. You're, you're going to take yeah. a minute. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I'm so happy to hear minute. how your story unfolded. And some very important lessons here on both ends. First of all, yes, young age and advanced age are important in medical conversations, but really probably shouldn't be the go-to on either end of the spectrum. And, you know, for young people, especially who are just sort of stepping their feet into managing their own health care, you know, mom and dad aren't making your appointments for you. You're, you know, taking care of your own health ask more questions. And I do, I have a love-hate relationship with Dr. Google as a as a physician. I, and yeah. I've said this before. I think that Google is great in that it keeps us as medical providers on our toes. You know, we have to be prepared to either acknowledge the good information that patients come in with or dispel the bad information. So, and now, even now compared to 15 years ago, access to that information is so much better. So for young people listening, it's not wrong to do your own research, but always take the information with a grain of salt and take it to your doctor, like have a conversation Mm -hmm. about it. Don't just assume like, oh, well, this has to be what I have. I hate that too. When patients are like, I've diagnosed, here's my diagnosis. But conversation that goes like, hey, I was reading about hypothyroidism. Do you think that could be playing a role? And I think a question asked like that, the response to that question could tell you a lot about what that relationship with your doctor is going to be like too, because absolutely, if the answer is, oh, absolutely not, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard of. That's probably not going to go great. Or if the conversation is like, you know, I'm not sure, but let's look into it. I think that really says a lot about a doctor is willing to consider the things that maybe they didn't think of. You know, medicine now is very much a partnership. It's not just like, I'm the doctor, you're the patient, you do what I say. It's more like, let's work this through together. You know yourself, you know your body. I'm a human being with a limited number of brain cells. And for me, they seem to be getting more and more limited by the minute. <laughs> so I, I'll take all the help I can get, honestly. I mean, yeah, tell me what you think. And I will use the brain cells I do have to see if it's valid enough to pursue. This is amazing. You are lovely. And you you were kind enough, Emily, to send me pictures of your kids who are absolutely gorgeous and so (laughs) adorable advanced maternal age geriatric pregnancy whatever it is i mean (laughs) go for it life is short right absolutely Um, 
So great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me, Emily. I look forward to hearing more about your kids and how <laughs> life goes for you guys. Please stay in touch with me. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. For everybody else listening, thank you for being here today. If you have a story about a medical conversation that went great, or went poorly, or didn't happen at all, please email me at christine at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare. care.